Cheers Cast is a part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, where everybody thinks they know your name. What are you? I didn't know you kept bees. Are you kidding? Hey, when I was a kid, you couldn't keep me away from my Uncle Fergie's hives. In fact, you'll never guess what they used to call me. The kid rolling around on the ground in agony covered with painful welts? No, uh, Woody the beekeeper. But you couldn't have known that. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and back with me to discuss another funny episode of my favorite show, the co-host of the SNL Nerds podcast. Welcome back, John Trumbull. What's up, John? Hey, Ryan. Thanks very much for having me. Always always a pleasure to come back and talk about one of my favorite shows. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming back. So, uh, yeah, everybody, uh, we're, we're deep into uh, Season 7 now, and the third episode is called Executive Suite. Not spelled the way you might expect. Uh, this episode is written by Fief Sutton, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, November 10th, 1988. Sam tries once again to persuade Rebecca to go out with him. This time, he uses charts and graphs in his argument. But she reiterates her position that she'll only date men who are rich and successful. Later, she goes to the corporate offices to meet the new executive vice president. In the elevator, she's hit on by a man noticeably younger and shorter than her. She mocks him for this, only to discover, to her absolute horror moments later that she has just mocked the new vice president, Martin Teal. He wants to date Rebecca, and ever so subtly threatens to fire her if she doesn't. She tells him that she's already seeing someone, and in a panic reveals that she's dating Sam. After telling Sam she'll go out with him to perpetuate this lie, Sam susses out that Rebecca is only doing it because she's desperate to avoid her new boss, and clears the way for Martin to ask Rebecca out again, which she accepts. That night, Rebecca brings Martin back to the bar after closing time, but the gang waited so they could see him and tease Rebecca about his appearance. She defends her position to date Martin for the sake of her career as long as no one gets hurt. But that was before Martin proposes marriage to her. Also this episode, Woody inherits a collection of bees from his uncle Fergie. Alright John, what'd you think about this episode? Uh, it was it was a fun one. I remembered this as being a fun one, and uh, I I my memory was not lying to me. The last time <laughs> I was on, it was the episode where uh, they were having the slumber party for Carla, and when and when I watched it, I was like, "Why did I want to do this one again? I don't remember. This isn't as good as I recall." And, and this one still holds up. So I. I was thoroughly entertained. It does, it does. Um, and, and yeah, folks, if you didn't get it from my summary, this is actually uh, part one of a kind of two-parter. Uh, uh, this one ends with a cliffhanger of Martin proposing to Rebecca and her fainting at the sound, uh, or at the at the proposal. But but yeah, this is a, a funny Rebecca episode and a very funny Woody episode, if I can tip who might be my MVP of the episode. Right from the teaser, uh, Cliff is reading the newspaper that one out of every three dollars in America is spent on amusement parks. 1988, that, that everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm still not sure that that works, but um, he does refer to Disney as a billion-dollar company, uh, and he kind of takes a shot of that one. So, 
Um, and Cliff, of course, is upset. He's like, the kids are going to these parks meeting fictional characters and like Mickey Mouse and such when they should be seeing real American heroes, not like G.I. Joe real American hero, but like, like generals, soldiers, police, firefighters, postal workers, for example. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, he suggests that the answer might be in creating a theme park based on the post office called Postal World. And Fraser and Norm, they're, they've got a healthy bit of skepticism about this. But Cliff thinks that it's a great idea, and if he can peddle it off, he can make enough money to get out of his dead-end job. Cute, solid teaser, I yeah. think. You know, just set up for a few good gags, and then they, they get in and out real quickly. I mean, that's that's what I expect and want from Cheers. Yeah, it didn't have, like, a really heavy, like, punchline, but it was also, it was quick enough, and, it, like, wasn't, it didn't drag anything too much, so it was kind of fun, yeah. Exactly. Then um, once we come back, there's a delivery to the bar, and Woody is really excited, so excited that he does one of his famous sort of, like, jumping over the bar, leaping over the bar with just using his hands like he's, like it's the, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just get such a kick out of him vaulting over the bar, and, like, when I'm watching that, I'm like I wonder if I wonder if Woody Harrelson is still in good enough shape to still do that because <laughs> like he doesn't have a whole lot of maneuvering room behind that bar but he just he just jumps over it and they kind of made it a running gag I guess they did and it's just like the actual effect of vaulting like the physical activity that he's doing it, it just brings the phrase boundless youth to my mind like that's yeah. that's literally like what it is and it's just yeah it's yeah um, I, I'm not positive on this, but I feel like the first time they had Woody do it, it was like they immediately had Sam try to attempt it, and then he couldn't. He just realized like he was old enough to not <laughs> do that anymore. The very so. first time he did it was in his first appearance when he it's him vaulting wow. into the bar, um, right right when they offer him the job. But then yeah, there there's an episode when Woody and Sam are kind of sort of competing for the same girl. And later, right. or Sam wants to impress her that he's he's just as youthful and athletic as Woody, and it doesn't go as well. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That, that's what you're thinking. Of. So Woody is really happy to sign for this package that gets delivered. He's he's been exciting. He's been waiting this, and he asked Sam if Miss Howe would let him keep the package in her office. Sam's like, well, that depends. What's in it? And Woody answers very matter of factly, four thousand bees. It's, yeah, and I, I love that because, like, as soon as you hear it, you know these bees are going to get loose at some point. I mean, it's just a perfect sitcom setup. I mean, it wouldn't be out of place on an episode of I Love Lucy or something like that. Sure, yeah, yeah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, it is very, very, not quite vaudeville, but, yeah, expected. Like, yep, we know where this is going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they're they're like, you keep bees? And he, he kind of, like, mentions that this was a, an inherited, or his uncle Fergie sent these. You couldn't keep me away from my uncle for his bees. And he says, you, you'll never guess what they used to call me. And Carla's quick to come back. She's like, the kid rolling around the ground in agony covered with painful welts. It's <laughs> a nice look. And then Woody just like kind of listens and takes that in. And he's like, no, Woody the beekeeper. <laughs> he gets like yeah. a little bee. And then he's like, but you couldn't have known that. <laughs> it's like, that's, you know, that, you, had to, you had to be there. That's one of those inside jokes or something. It's like. Yeah, it's a good plot for Woody. It's it's fun. It's offbeat. You know, you get you get some funny visuals later on. I, I don't want to jump the gun on that, but uh, yeah, right. And, you know, and and it, it's not too distracting from the main plot either. Right, right. And and one of the things I love is that it is it it feels perfectly in keeping with Woody, and yet yeah. like you can draw the line like 
coach would never get in. Like it would it would be a stretch to have like coach accidentally order you know four thousand bees or something from something like that. That would be kind of yeah. like a weird thing. So this is this is a plot that you can see happening to Woody and not to Coach. And I like that they're they're making those distinctions. That you know Woody is no longer just Coach Junior. He's no longer just the younger person playing the exact same role. They have they're they're getting better and clearer at defining his character and what makes him unique. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a few years into the show now because they brought him on in during in the fourth season. Four, season yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, he's been there for a while now. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, yeah. yeah I should so, say I mean, just he's, he's been on for uh, three years now. You know, and yeah. we're just getting started on on his fourth year. It's right. wow, I can't believe it's in season seven already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um. <laughs> So Rebecca comes in and same comments that it's 3.30 and he threatens to snitch on her to her boss and his very good friend, Mr. Stone, that we last saw in the first episode of the season. Um, mm-hmm. Woody gives them the message that Mr. Stone was fired and the new executive VP wants to see Rebecca in his office at 4.30. And he hands her a slip of paper. She's like, Woody, this is a blank piece of paper. Like, yeah, it's just to keep to, yeah, I just kept it to remember to give you the message. So. Yeah, that that's a great line. Right. I, I love that. That's that's such a wonderful Woody moment because it, like the way Harrelson plays it or the way Burroughs directs him, it it looks sort of like he's looking at the note, but he's like you realize after he's like just looking at it to remind himself of the message. <laughs> right, I mean, right. it's, just, it's just a perfect Woody bet. Yeah. Uh, Norm thinks that this this news uh, kind of puts Rebecca in the clear. Um, but she goes through this whole little cycle of cynicism and then hope and then defeatist resignation mm-hmm. in like two seconds. Uh, it, like yeah. this really funny little cycle of her talking to herself. And then she's just like, I need to calm down. I'm starting to hear buzzing sounds, which is a wonderful little payoff to the, what just happened yeah. before. Yeah, it, it's good they they found a way to sort of keep that subplot alive while they're getting into the main plot, uh, right. you know, like laying the, the expositional groundwork. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like Sam talking about how he was so buddy-buddy with Mr. Stone from the company. And I was like, I sort of remember this, but I, I'm I'm going to go back and watch, like, I got to figure out where, where, you know, Mr. Stone came in and why Sam was buddy, buddy with him. Cause you know, you kind of mix up the various executives. Yeah. He's, uh, he's really embellishing that. Yeah. 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 As, yeah. As we saw yeah. And I, wa- I watched the yeah. season premiere right. and, you know, sort of refreshed my memory of what the current status quo was. And, and Sam becomes manager of the bar again. And by the end of the episode, he convinces Stone to let Rebecca be co-manager of the bar, but she's also sort of a relief waitress working under Carla. And, I just I find it interesting that they adjust the status quo of the show that quickly after the season premiere. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and it's I think it's kind of like this return to normalcy or something like that. Or yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good point. Like they didn't. I don't know. Maybe they thought there wasn't really. I don't know. I'm trying. Like, yeah, I'm. I'm just looking at that. and I'm like, did they just have second thoughts about that, or were they? Did they? They must have already had this episode in the works because right, you don't start the season you know just episode by episode you have at least a few episodes planned so right. maybe they were setting up for it but like when you watch that premiere episode which i i did after after i watched executive suite i was like this sure seems like the setup of a brand new status quo for the show but yeah i don't know it's it, it's just funky you know maybe they just had really quick th- second thoughts i don't know and it, it goes by so fast that i kind of didn't even really think about the repercussions because 
Rebecca is h- hardly in the second the second episode between these two episodes. Like I, I mentioned it, yeah. I mentioned it in the last episode. She's only in episode two for seventy seconds total screen time. Um, wow. So they they don't address it at all, like really. So maybe they no, were, you don't see her waiting tables or anything never, like that. Never. And, yeah. Um, other. I mean, other uh, maybe, than the, like, the last the last beat of the the first episode when she she sort of waits yeah. on Phil. Uh, Phil Perlman. Right, but that's that's just like your closing gag. Right. Maybe right. they just thought that it would be too reminiscent of Diane if they just suddenly Possibly. had her waiting tables or something. Possibly. Um, you know, because like one of the things I always admired about Cheers was, uh, you know, when they lost Diane or when they lost any major character, they they would shake it up and they wouldn't they would not do a clone replacement. I mean, it would have been the easiest thing in the world to like replace Coach with another old dumb guy, but. You know, they gave us a young dumb guy, so that's at least shaking it up a little bit. And when they when they lost Diane Chambers, mm-hmm. they really shook it up and they they changed the whole power dynamic. So they also might have been thinking, you know, based on based on how strong like the last episode and, and some of the stronger episodes of season six is Rebecca's desire for Evan Stone really was a, a central part of her character in that season. And they might have been thinking, you know what, she's really best when she's chasing somebody more powerful than her at the company while Sam is chasing mm-hmm. her. Like, what's what's to right. stop her from dating Sam, really, or just going out with one little date with him? Well, it's because she's got her eyes set on a much bigger prize. And well, they flip yeah. into this and, one in this case because you know the guy who wants her from the company she's not interested in. But we will see, you know, going throughout the season, kind of like the rotating. You know, she's she's always kind of searching for that that you know rich and powerful. She even says somebody like Donald Trump. I think in the first episode of season eight. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And and she outright says to Sam in this episode, "I'm only going to date guys who can help my career." Which right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. it's something that she's being that blatant about it. But I mean, right. I guess you know she knows what she wants. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, and, and getting to that point, which after she notices the buzzing sound, she she pops her head in the office and she comes back. She's like, "What are what's in this box?" What are you? He's like, "Those are my bees, Miss Howe." And she's like, "Enough said." <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what do you what do you and, ask? And then she, he, yeah. Yeah, Woody asks if he if he can keep them in there, and she's like, "Sure." In my in my current mood, I'll agree to anything. And Sam's like, "Well, that's my cue." Yeah. And the ga- yeah. the gang, rather than jumping to his side, they're like, "Oh, come on, let's do easy. What? Give it up. You're never going to get with her." And, yeah. yeah, it's interesting how invested the Cheers gang always is in Sam's love life, <laughs> and it, it's neat that they've like kind of crossed over into cynicism (laughs) because at this point in the series he's taken longer with rebecca than he's got than he took with diane to right you know get something started with her you know because like diane he and diane hooked up at the end of season one right now we've gone through a whole season with rebecca and yeah she's nothing and yeah yeah. and i remember what like the first time i was watching the show when i was watching the show new that really surprised me i was expecting them to follow the same formula them to get together at the end of the season yeah, yeah, it was a it was a bold choice to to turn away from that, and I, I, as I as I said when we talked about that, I thought it was a it was a wise choice, and I think it was better for Rebecca's character in the long run. Um, it, it was good for Sam's character, and also they probably said, you know, yeah, we probably could have milked the flirtation or the or the chase a little longer, and you know, um, I, I think I think by that point, by this point in the series, they obviously know they. 
they can be as on for as long as they want. So. Right, right. Uh, to, to your point about the why would they be so invested in Sam's life? I mean, I think Norm pretty much says it all the time. Like they have no lives of their own, or Carla points that out yes. for them. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So, but, but Sam, he calls himself the Cy Young of Skirt Chasers, and Rebecca's like, Cy Young is dead, and he's still doing better with, than, with Rebecca than you are. Um, mm-hmm. But he says that he, he's always better when he's spontaneous than he is when he comes prepared. So he goes in there, and he has Norm walk with him, and Norm carrying charts and graphs. And I love I love the like very officious formality when he walks in there. He's like, hello, Miss Miss Howe, I believe you've met my associate, Mr. Peterson. And I was like, how do you do? (laughs) It's like a very... I I don't feel like Norm hardly has anything to do with this episode, but I just love that moment. How do you do? (laughs) It's like... Yeah, yeah. That that might be my favorite scene in the episode. (laughs) I've kind of forgotten about that one, but I love love Sam trying to be official and scientific about it. And he's like, well, you know, if if you look here, you you see your dating life on this on this chart, and, and Rebecca says it's blank. He says exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then he flips to another page, and it's like, well, here here is your dating, you know, here's like your sexual peak, and here is my sexual peak, and they meet at like four twenty seven in my apartment. <laughs> yeah. right. uh, it, it's just great stuff. Yeah. Uh-oh. And with that, he dismisses Norm. Like, that's the, was the only thing Norm had to do. He's like, that concludes right, the formal right. part of our presentation. Now let's get naked. <laughs> it's like, come on. Yeah, yeah. And then he just, yeah, drapes himself over the couch. And also you have that, that wonderful absurdist joke of Norm like, oh, do I have to go out there? Because, like, Cliff is singing Ave Maria. <laughs> yeah, which you can hear when he opens the door. And he's like, please let me stay yeah. in here for a couple more minutes. But- yeah, yeah. Uh, so after she she shuts him down again, she makes I think she'll only advance men who can, or she'll only date men who can advance her career. Sam is seemingly very turned off and says he wouldn't date her if she was the last woman on earth. And and he's like, go ahead and ask me. And she's like, you've done this ploy before. He's like, no, no, no. Go ahead. I'm serious. Like, will you go out with me? He's like, no, never. And he storms off and immediately storms right back. And he's like, see, I can do it. Let's let's celebrate. Like only Ted Danson can make Sam as charming as he is when he's as sleazy as he is. <laughs> yes, yeah. Was... You, you have to be a really likable actor to pull that sort of thing off, and, yes. and Ted Danson thread that threads that needle beautifully. It's it's so funny to me. This comes to mind because they the shows were on back to back for a couple of years, but Cheers and Night Court, and mm-hmm. the depictions of Sam. And John Larroquette's character, Dan Fielding. Um, yeah, exactly. Who, yeah, again, Dan like, like, such a perv. Yeah, who, who yeah. owned the Emmy Awards for, like, the length of a presidential term and only stopped winning the awards because he f- stopped submitting himself. But, like... Yeah, I, rem- I remember him yeah. saying, like, in an interview, they were like, why did you not submit yourself for the Emmys this war uh, this year? And and John Larroquette was like, I-, I felt like I'd had an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Um, yeah. I also think some of those other actors were probably going to take a hit out on him if he if he kept going. <laughs> yeah, he won like four or five years running, something absurd like that. Yeah, it, yeah, it was, it, I think yeah. it was four years in a row, and like those were some of Cheers' prime years. And uh, I, I talked mm-hmm. about this last year, like Cheers, like the the cast members of Cheers did not win as many awards as you would think. Given how much, like how successful the show was, Rhea Perlman was the exception. She won four four times. And then stopped, uh, stopped uh, taking herself out of the running, too. Ah. 
Or will BB Newworth started winning when when in place of uh, real Perlman? So. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I mean, as we're recording this, we're the Emmy Awards are not that far in the past, and like one of my favorite shows of recent years, Better Call Saul, has set a new record of fifty-three nominations and no wins. And I'm just, I am still salty about that because, like, Ray Seahorn, come on, that's crazy. <laughs> It's insane. It's insanity. But that's that's very much a thing that the Emmys do. They kind of get they they kind of fixate on one show and they award it for years and years and years. They did it with, I mean, you know, for a while, Frasier was the in show and uh-huh. you know, Modern Family was. And yes, I, I'd love to see the Emmys spread the wealth a little more. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, the West Wing won Best Supporting Actor the first three years for three different actors. And it was basically mm. every time the West Wing did a Christmas episode, the main character of that episode won the award for Best Supporting Actor the next year. It was, oh, oh, really? Yeah, it was <laughs> Richard Schiff and then Bradley Whitford and then John Spencer. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Well, you know, hey, at least they're spreading it out among the show. It wasn't, it wasn't the same person winning year after year after year. Right, right, yeah. Okay, so uh, we after the after that moment in the office, we we cut to uh, the corporate HQ, and Rebecca's in the elevator, and a, a young man, business suit and everything. He is about a head taller, than, or sorry, a head shorter than Rebecca, uh, and looks yeah. to be looks to be pretty young. Uh, he gets on the elevator and asks if she works there, and she's like, "No, she's meeting Martin Teal." He's like, "Oh, that guy's tough." And he kind of hits on her as other people are entering the elevator and asks her to dinner. And she is pretty, pretty amused by this. She's like, and has the, the gall to say, should I drive or will your mommy be taking us? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so mm-hmm. she, she likes her boyfriends to eat all of their vegetables, basically reducing this guy to a child. And then she stalls us out of the, struts out of the elevator walks into the office and sees an elderly man and introduces herself to who she assumes is Mr. Teal. And the guy quickly says, I'm not Martin Teal. And the very young guy that Rebecca just mocked walks into the office and says, I'm Martin Teal. And Rebecca screams. It's, a, yeah. it's such a good moment it's, as they cut to the commercial break. It's terrific casting for Martin Teal, too. Like, the, the actor's name, I wrote his name down, Alex Neville. I mean, he just has a great look. You know, he he looks very boyish. I mean, he was like somewhere in his early 20s when he played this mm-hmm. role, I think. Yeah. And I'm wondering, because this, this episode aired, you said, in like November of 88. Yep. So that's right around the time the first President Bush was elected. I'm getting big Dan Quayle energy from this guy. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, yeah, very much. And I, I, I wonder if that was like in the casting director's heads. And, and also, it's unusual... Like you don't usually see that big of a height disparity between two people on TV, right. and so yeah. like immediately he and Rebecca don't fit because she is she is just towering over him. Right. Um, even when he was gearing up towards asking her out, you hear a woman in the audience just sort of laugh <laughs> at the absurdity yeah. of it. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, he thinks he has a shot with Rebecca. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> like. I, I almost wonder, like, they they might have been thinking Dan Quiller, or, like, even if they said something like a Michael J. Fox type. Now, they couldn't have gotten him because he yeah. was too well-known, you know, in addition to having, like, right. sanitized geek. But, like, he was too big of a star at that point that he would have overshadowed yeah, you, what was going on. you need an unknown actor for this because, you know, you got to have the surprise. Right, exactly. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, yeah, this was Alex Neville. This was only his second credit 
uh, on IMDb. Lots of TV episodes, but nothing really lasting. I'm wondering if he did a lot of theater stuff or something like that. Uh, one notable thing, though, he did appear in the 2009 Star Trek movie. Um, I saw that. He played like a shuttle pilot. And yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, I'll have, to, I'll have to look for Martin Teal the next yeah. time I, I see the 2009 Star Trek. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and then the elderly guy that we find out is Martin Teal's assistant, Dennis, is played by the actor Harold Hyken. He's only a handful of screen appearances, his last one in 1989, just a year after this. But he lived wow. another 30 years uh, as, as a stage performer, mostly. And the weirdest little thing that I found out, he died on January 6th, 2021, the day of the, ca- the attack on the U.S. Capitol. Now, okay, I do not believe be? he died there at the Capitol. And I'm sorry okay, to be, okay, to be, good, I'm good, sorry good, to be laughing good. at the absurdity <laughs> of that because it wasn't, it's not a joking matter. But like, yeah, I, I looked at like, I saw the date and I'm like, wait, that January 6th? Um, yeah, well, so, I mean, you know, have to pass away sometime. But oh yeah. God, he just nails this role. He, he does, is, and, he uh, is so good as yeah. Dennis. And, yeah. and and without foreshadowing too much, he has a killer beat in the next episode after this. Uh, that that yes. I'll, just, I'll just let the audience find yeah. that on their own. But and, I mean, but every joke they give him, he is just <laughs> nailing. So <laughs> I, I am not surprised to hear that he he had stage experience. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he—I mean—he's obviously a pro. Yeah. So, so Rebecca tries to apologize, and she like, and he he says, you know, his age throws people, and Dennis is like, oh yes, as it often does. But and then he's he's very quick to recite Martin's accomplishments, like graduating from Harvard at eighteen and the Wharton Business School at twenty. And he's like, he's fair but firm and hates yes man. He's like, thank you, Dennis. Oh yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And they they also put. They also put Martin Teal behind this huge desk to make him look even smaller. Oh yeah, the blind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, they, they are they are playing his height for all it's worth. <laughs> and Rebecca's like, "Believe me, Mister Teal, may I call you Mister?" Which is just such a funny. Yeah. And she says she wouldn't have rejected him if she hadn't been so tempted uh, to, to take him up on the offer, but she makes it a policy never to date in the office, and, and Dennis is like, oh, that's a big mistake, and Martin's like, I agree with that policy. He's like, oh, yes, this is a policy. It's wonderful. It's like, a policy. Oh, yes. The, oh, yes, sir. The sycophantism that Dennis shows is, is so good in this. And, and also, like, I mean, here's the thing that really reminds you that this is – what like 35 going on 40 years ago now he's he's spends the entire episode like hitting on his subordinate and i'm just like i mean the episode does acknowledge that it is not appropriate but you know not as much as they would today well, you know, they, there's they, no mention of like a lawsuit or anything like right, that like they, they make it they make it sound like it's an exception that she would say no yeah no i i don't think it's a good idea to to date inside the company whereas today like hr would have infinite meetings about this and just say no yeah i I was i'm just looking at this and i'm like this is this is obviously a pre-anita hill era it's like you know the the word sexual harassment i don't don't think we even had that as a widespread term yet i don't really remember people talking about sexual harassment until after the anita hill Hmm. uh you know during the uh, clarence thomas hearing right uh you know, and and that was obviously in the Bush years. So I'm sorry, I'm getting very political on this episode. No, it's, it's I don't mean to, but political history. Yeah. Um, he's like he's he. Martin says, you know, I I actually I think that is a good policy, which is why I've decided to fire mm-hmm. you. 
and there's just right. this awkward beat, and then he bursts into this high laughter that's very childlike in its la- in its in in the way he laughs too again and like Den- Dennis and Rebecca both kind of like nervously laugh but again Dennis the sick of him is like oh thank you sir for easing the tension of what could have been a very difficult moment <laughs> it's like <laughs> right right yeah um, so um but and then of course he says you know I'm not an employee I'm an employer Without saying it, basically dangling her job security in front of her. Uh, and oh, yeah. Her to and, and he's already mock-fired her once. So, right. I mean, it could not be more clear right. what he has in mind. Yeah. You know, yeah, you have to go out with me or else. Right. Um, uh, so she has to think of a new reason, and he, he kind of guesses. He, he jumps up on her that she's dating someone else. And she's like, that's it. Um, and she says that she's dating Sam Malone, and he tells his secretary to fire Sam. Mm-hmm. And then there's that horrible laugh again, like that. And they're like, "Whoo, okay, this guy, a little bit crazy, a little bit volatile." But by the way, if your if your boss at your job ever 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 makes a joke like that, run. Yeah, <laughs> find yeah. another job because those are the type of jokes that are only yeah. that are only funny to asshole bosses. And, and actually, like now that I'm thinking about like the other, you you mentioned the Dan Quayle vibe, but like also like yeah. the the 80s, you know, cutthroat business culture, and maybe this is in my mind because I'm currently reading a novel by Brett Easton Ellis, who also wrote American Psycho, so I'm kind of getting a, like, the way he laughs, like, is this a Patrick Bateman situation? Like, what's what's (laughs) happening to them here? Well, I mean, you know, we were only a couple years removed from the movie Wall Street and all that, and yeah, that was, you know, I mean, mean, that's probably why we have all these corporate shenanigans on on Cheers, because that was very much in the air then. Oh, of course, of course, yeah. Um. Anyway, though, he says, okay, you're dating somebody else. Put it out of mind. He's like, uh, he, he calls her because he wants to reinstate her as sole manager. So, that, yeah, again, this is the whole bit where she's back to manager. Sam is back to bartender. Status quo reset to where, how it was last year. Forget about that. So. Yeah. But he says he hopes yeah. that they can work together. And, you know, if she doesn't mind, if he occasionally stares at her and everything. Uh, and then he tells, after she leaves, he tells the secretary to call Sam, but Rebecca overheard this. And she's like, why are you doing that? And he's like, he wants to, you know, you know, measure up, or see how he measures up and kind of uh, size up the competition, he says. Um, right, right. Yeah. So she buys herself enough time that she can get to the bar to, to talk to Sam about this and, and preemptively you know, you know, put get them to be dating so that he can be honest when he when he gets the call from Martin. But when we come back to the bar, we see Woody is making a meal for his bees. He's like equal parts sugar and water. And he daps his little pinky finger into the water and licks it to taste it. And he's just like this heavenly like like he's like on a food network. He's like, Can you blame him for loving it? It's like it's Yeah. It's yeah. sugar water. He's like and and uh, and Carla gets a good gag on on Frazier. Oh yeah, she's like, oh one one of the bees is loose. I'm not I'm not leaping ahead too much. Am I? Well, yeah, you know, just because because then Woody goes to the he goes to the office like you've never he says something about like the soothing sound of a well fed hive and he opens the door and you just hear this like this angry sound. He's like, right, that's right. not the soothing sound of a well fed hive. So he's like, hang right. on. And, they're, and they're, that's when Cliff is like, are those bees loose? He's like, hang on. I got my Uncle Fergie's beekeeping suit. Give me a second. And that's then, yeah, then. Um, right, yes. And and then the bit with Frazier is. Right, because Car- Carla says one of, the, one of the bees flew out and Frazier kind of bolts off of his stool. And he says, he mentioned yeah. having this phobia of insects. And she's like, one flew down your shirt. 
And what does yeah. Frazier do? <laughs> he whips off his shirt and just is like just frantically trying to get, you know, this this bee off of him. And then, of course, we find out Carl is like, oh, it was just this piece of lint. And Kelsey Grammer <laughs> is standing there with his shirt off. Uh, <laughs> and yet, and, what, yeah, the thing about the shirt is off, but the tie is still wrapped around his neck. So the first time I watched it, yeah. I was like, did he manage to take his shirt off without taking his tie off? But it's actually, he takes well, them both off, but while he's swinging the shirt and, like, hitting himself on the back with it, like he's flailing himself, trying to get this bee, the, sh- the tie kind of wraps around his shoulder again. So. And and they kind of set themselves up for this, for, for this <laughs> bit of business, too, because, like, before that, Frazier is just sitting there at the bar with, like, the top button or two of his shirt undone and his tie completely undone. And I'm like, yes. you never see Frazier like that. That's obviously just so he can whip his shirt off comically <laughs> later. And yes. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that. that he's that he's he's that you know, not put together. <laughs> I'm like, how many drinks has Frazier had tonight? <laughs> it was a rough one. So, uh, so then Woody comes back in his full on, like advanced idea mechanics, beekeeping gear. And he's, right. he's, he's got like the little, whatever that little incense smoke burner thing that he keeps around. And he's yeah. like, this is so that I can round them all up before Miss Al comes back and notices. And then she walks yeah. in the door. He's like, Oh, Hey, Miss Al. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. Oh, there's such great beat here. He's like, oh, he just says he was wondering if he could use her phone in the office without you being in there. Like, not that there's anything wrong. And she's like, why right, would I suspect right. anything's wrong? What you? And he gives Norm a thumbs up. He's like, it's such a good moment. He just kind of like looks at Norm. He's like, oh, I sold it. He's like, she doesn't, she doesn't suspect yeah, I, Woody, Woody in the beekeeper gear is just automatically such a funny visual. And, and Woody Harrelson does enough physicality. Like you can't really see his face because he's got the netting over his face and the hat's pulled down real low. So I don't think he can even see his eyes. But, you know, he knows how to play it enough that all the humor still comes through. I yeah. mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. great stuff. Right. Um, so Rebecca comes in and she tells Sam that she's been, that he has been demoted. And he's like, they didn't even have the decency to t- call and tell me. And Carly goes, by the way, Sam, you got a phone call earlier. You've been demoted. And he's like, why didn't you yeah. tell me that? And she had her come back really quickly. She's like, what do I look like? An answering service for bartenders? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a good line. Um, that is a good line. And then Rebecca says that she agrees to go out with Sam. And he's like, is this pity or what's going why should, like how should i dress and then they get the phone yes. call and he talks to martin on the phone and he confirms that they are going out with rebecca he's like yeah i'll take good care of her and he's able to figure out pretty quickly that martin likes rebecca and he susses out that she's trying to avoid him and he's like you're, you're only going out with me to avoid this guy and he's like you mm-hmm. said you wanted to date people who are rich and powerful but you want me instead of him he's like what's wrong with this picture and then he's like Oh, light bulb going off. What's wrong with his picture? <laughs> She's like, there's something right, wrong with this guy, right. and I want to see what it is. So. Yeah, yeah. Ted Danson is just nailing the part at this at this point in the series. I mean, he just he just knows how to play every note perfectly for Sam Malone, and it's, right. it's just lovely to see. Especially like in this, this was an era when they were definitely starting to dumb him down a little bit more. But this is a yeah. good moment when you can still see that oh, he's really good at reading people. He he knows he can he can tell situations like this. Maybe it's because it's about dating and infatuation that this is his area of expertise in some way. 
Uh, right. But yeah, he, he's got a good stance because when he when he had to put Martin on hold, he's like, there's a fire. And when he comes back, he's like, oh, I found out what was burning. Rebecca was burning my love letters. It's over. So Yeah. So that's, she's that's like, great. yeah, yes, of course, Mr. Teal, you can you can pick me up at 8 o'clock or something like that. Um, and, and Sam, before she can hang up, Sam invites Martin Teal back to the bar so that they can talk and everything. Like, And then the door to the office opens, and the moment we've been waiting for, Woody comes out, mm-hmm. walking very slowly, hands held up, hands covered in bees, and he's like, no yeah. sudden movements. <laughs> he's trying to get out of the bar and calm them down, and calm the bees down and everything. And they just, they clear the way for him, and Cliff opens the door, and he's just, I hope I have cha- correct change for the bus. He's like, no sudden <laughs> movements <laughs> at that moment. Uh, Ratzenberger does a nice little bit of business. He sort of like swats at, at the yeah. door frame, like right after Woody goes out, like he he just found like a stray bead, right? Like one was left inside, and he nails it. Yeah, I love that little beat. I saw yeah. that. Yeah, we cut to later on the bar. It, the bar looks dark and empty and deserted. And Rebecca and Martin come back to the bar after, and she goes, "Oh shoot, I forgot that we close at two o'clock." Yeah, she said Martin was going to pick her up at eight, meaning their date has been six hours long. Um, well, she really doesn't want to say no to the guy. I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I hadn't thought about how, I hadn't thought about that full timeline of the date, but yeah, that is a long day. Yeah, like, I'm trying to imagine, like, okay, they went to dinner, like, an opera or something? Like, what What were they doing? But, like, you know, so. Um, He's pitching woo, Ryan. There you He's go. He's pitching woo. <laughs> I was like, I, I've been on the duck boats in the, in the middle of Boston. They don't take that long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Martin's legs are very short, so uh, <laughs> okay. you know, it, it takes a little longer. Zing. <laughs> um, anyway, it looks like the bar is empty and dark, but the gang pops out from behind the bar to surprise them. Sam welcomes yeah. Martin Teal and, and <laughs> Rebecca. So she is so mad that she's like, this is Sam alone. And a bunch of other people. <laughs> so right. And and she says, what were you all doing here? And they say, we were playing hide and seek. And she <laughs> says, who was, who was seeking? And Norm just says, I guess that's why it was going so slowly. <laughs> 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 it's just it's beautiful. George, George Wendt knows how to just throw the, a line like that away. So it's just yeah. maximum yeah. funniness. It's, it's great. Right. Martin's chauffeur comes inside and tells him he's got a phone, a call on the, on the uh, car phone. Uh, so Martin steps out. And then, then Rebecca confronts the gang, and she's like, go ahead and make your jokes. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, the cradle rapper, rapper jokes. Like, did I, did he order beanie weenies or something? She's like, And they're like, no, he's a little bit young. That's not bad. She's like, what's wrong with that? And Sam goes, well, nothing's wrong with being young, unless you're planning to take him across state lines. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. Yeah. Um, And I like that, like, they let Sam get that line. Like, they don't have to harp on it, because... Rebecca already made their jokes for them, so it's not like they each yeah. have to come up with a line about it being true. They're they're all making jokes about it. They just like Sam just gets the good one, and they're like, "Okay, we've had our fun." Um, and then they're yeah, packing up yeah. and ready to go. And Woody's like, "All right, home to my swarm." <laughs> like, um, 
And then, but Sam lingers, and he, he tells, you know, he's like, well, Rebecca, I finally know why we, I never stood a chance with you. He's like, I've got all these flaws. I'm tall. I'm good looking. I'm old enough to vote. <laughs> <She's>, um, <laughs> yeah. And then a, a nice little play on words. She, she's like, Martin can get a reservation. At, she, uh, she's like, if you, like, was she comparing the two of them? She's like, Martin can get a reservation at Shea Maurice. And Sam's like, well, I have it yeah. in, at Shea Stadium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great. That's a good, clever cheers joke. Um, I also, I just really like the back and forth between Sam and Rebecca in this in this scene at the end because I, I I get real Sam and Diane vibes from it because they they do seem very evenly matched and they you know there's there's a real spark there and I'm seeing like oh yeah they're you know they're I don't want to say recapturing the magic they're kind of creating their own vibe but yeah yeah but yeah. but it, it I did, did get a little little bit of the Sam and Diane energy there. Yeah, they're they're it feels like they're evenly matched. Like they like mm-hmm. Rebecca's a very different character than Diane, but in her own way she can hold her own against Sam most of the time. Um, right. And, and this yeah. this is still like sort of semi strong Rebecca. She's not quite as pathetic as she became in the later seasons of right. the show where right. she was just such a screw up. Right. Um you know, here she's still like sort of capable businesswoman who's just unfairly overlooked. Right. And just like Sam got stupider, Rebecca kind of got stupider or more incompetent as the show went on. Right. So it was just like, oh no, you found your level, Rebecca. Um, this, <laughs> this is as far as you're going to go in this company. <laughs> uh, and, she, and she's defending her decision to go out with him as strategic for her career, and Sam basically calls her a coward. She's, a, she's afraid to stand up to the boss and tell him no. And she's like, he has been nothing but a perfect gentleman, which is something you wouldn't understand, Mr. Groin. <laughs> she drags that, <laughs> that word out really long. It's like, Mr. Groin. Yeah, that's a very Diane sort it's, of line. Yeah. yeah. I, could, I could see Diane calling Sam Mr. <laughs> Groin. <laughs> and uh, she says that they're both getting something out of this and no one is getting hurt. And then she goes into the office and then uh, as Sam is leaving, Martin comes back in and he asks if Sam is going to try and win her back. And Sam's like, no, 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 I'm not, not getting in your way. And Martin's like, well, that's good because I know what I want and I go after it. And he takes out a box with what you would expect, an engagement ring. And he opens it for Sam and Sam's like, you're giving her a doorknob? <laughs> so yeah. tells you something about the size of the thing. I mean, yeah, so much funnier to just allude to the size of the ring rather than show <laughs> right. the ring. So, right. yeah. That's great. Yeah. So he says, you know, he, you know, he doesn't take no for an answer, and he goes inside. And we don't see the occasion, but we just hear uh, he walks into her office, and we hear Rebecca scream and then faint. And Mars like Rebecca, Rebecca, like asking, and Sam mm-hmm. exits while whistling the wedding march. So yeah, and, yeah, um, good stuff. Yeah, it's it's a really funny episode, and. Um, uh yeah folks like believe me i like i kind of he- teased at this but the next episode that followed this one of my all-time favorites you know it, what what's coming next is dynamite so um, oh that's how it is okay you're not going to have me on the second part where that that's how it better. is better yeah, okay i get it. all right i see where i rank now yeah all you're, right. you're you're the good setup good to person, know. but yeah <laughs> good to know good to know all right okay all right uh, uh, but I, I think this is a solid two-parter without spoiling any of the the, the plot points that are in store for part two. But I, th- I think I watched part two right after this, of course, and I think part two is very solid, too. So. Yeah. Um, for Norm's tab, he had three beers this episode, which brings him up to 600 for the series now. 
Ooh, ooh, I got a round number. Yay! <laughs> See, I give you some love. I might not give you the better part of the of the cliffhanger, but I gave you something. Yeah, I okay. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like I was here when yeah, yeah, when he entered into another hundred. <laughs> <laughs> it's a milestone occasion. Um, so thank you for that. That's yeah. only happened six times before. So. <laughs> Uh, who was your employee of the week? You know, I feel kind of bad about this because it's so obviously a Rebecca episode, but I feel like I had to give it to Sam. Um, I, th- I think he was just so good and so funny in that scene with Norm and Rebecca in the office where he's got the, the shirts and the grass and like, this is why you should come out with me. And, and, you know, to dance in his work in that pointer for all it's worth, all the physicality, I just... I got to go with my heart, and I got to go with Sam. I understand why you're doing that. Um, for me, I went with Woody. I just thought with the the, mm-hmm. the B subplot, every part of that, like the setup, all of the different payoffs, the different phases of it, when he's just putting the box in there, when he comes out of the beekeeper uniform, like every little joke or throwback to that, like even the whole bit about the message that he didn't write down, like every part about yeah. Woody in this episode. So, uh, yeah, I gave Woody the MVP for this one. I also he was he was involved in both my home run and my runner up, uh, the home run being okay. the no the no sudden movements gag um, when he's walking uh-huh. out covered in bees, and then the moment just before that when he asks if he can go into uh, Rebecca's office without tipping her that there's anything wrong, and she's like, "Why would I suspect anything?" And the thumbs up that he gives to Norm or the other guys at the bar, like I totally I tricked her. So right, right, yeah, uh, yeah. None of those were the moments that I was considering for my home run, though, uh, interestingly enough. Uh, I I considered Woody's blank piece of paper. Oh, I I just carried it to remind me to give you the message. (laughs) I think that's a wonderful gag. Uh, Like another line I wrote down was that in in my mood, I'll agree to anything. Sounds like my cue. (laughs) Um, I'm very, very tempted to give it to Norm's. I guess that's why the hide and seek was going so slowly. (laughs) (laughs) Because George Wentz said... But I think again, I have to go with my heart. I'm I'm going into a Sam line where Rebecca is suddenly agreeing to go out to dinner with him, and he says, "Is this pity? Because I just want to know how to dress." <laughs> I think I think that's a beautiful line, and I'm like, I am going to have to remember that for for <laughs> for my dating life. Is this pity? Because I just want to know how to dress. That's that's such a gorgeous line. Um, and 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 Ted Danson delivers it beautifully, of course. Right. Right. <laughs> Oh, man. So, oh, good. Well, John, thank you very much for coming back to Cheerscast. Uh, until we have you back later on this season, where can our listeners find you if they want to hear more from you? Well, I mean, every week um, I'm there at my regular podcast, The SNL Nerds, where we watch uh, my co-host Darren Patterson and I, we watch episodes of Saturday Night Live as they come out. And on the off weeks and on the summer hiatus, we watch movies or are sometimes TV shows starring SNL alums. So, and we have a lot of fun with that. Very cool. Very cool. Check that out, everybody. Uh, thanks again for being on the show. And thanks to all of you listeners who check out Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on social media and leaving comments on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Cheerscast is supported by the Right On Podcast Network and Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack. Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast to support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network. Thanks everyone for listening, and until next time, we're closed. 
Go ahead, get it over with. Get what over with? The stupid cradle robber jokes. Did I cut his meat at dinner or did he order beanie weenies? We don't know what you're talking about, Rebecca. Unless, oh, well, he, he is a little young. What's wrong with the fact that he's young? Well, no, nothing at all. Unless you're planning on taking him across state lines. Yeah. <laughs>